On Tuesday, Quinton Lucas will raise his right hand for the second and final time as mayor. He will preside over a sea of fresh faces at City Hall as outgoing council members clear out their offices this week. So should we expect big changes ahead or more of the same? Plus, Royals owner John Sherman back in the news as he sends out an open letter to fans and offers up new details and a new timeline for that ballpark plan. And the Chiefs finally break their silence. Is a rolling roof on the way? Those stories and the rest of the week's news on both sides of State Line, straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A., co-trustees, the restaurant at 1900, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes and thank you for joining us on our weekly journey through the most impactful, confusing and befuddling local news stories on the Week in Review bus this week from KCUR News, Lisa Rodriguez from our Metro's newest newspaper, Next Page KC, Eric Wesson with a laser beam spotlight on downtown and other big Kansas City development stories from City Scene KC, Kevin Collison and tracking our region's top political stories for KCUR News, Brian Ellison. Now on Tuesday, Quinton Luke will raise his right hand for the second and final time as mayor. Does it seem like it's been four years? Starting next week, he will preside over a sea of fresh faces at City Hall. This week, it was out with the old as most of the council members you have known for years were cleaning out their offices. New council members were going through orientation training. Mayor Lucas tweeted out this week, or X social media platformed out this week, what should be the top issue the council tackles starting next week? If you ask the public, what would be number one on the list, Eric? It depends on what part of the public, but I think they still have to do something with the streets, uh, street repairs, housing. Uh, what are they going to do about reparations? I went out Warren all the other day and I posted a little funny meme, but when I got through to from 75th to 85th, when I got to 85th Street, <laughs> my glasses were like this. <laughs> Now, you know, they said they're doing the resurfacing, but the question <laughs> still remains, where are they doing it at? Because most of our main thoroughfares in the urban core are still a mess. Number one issue that should be on the agenda? I think head and shoulders, the number one issue these days is policing, security, public safety. The city has got not only a record homicide going on, but property crimes are going through the roof, quality of life crimes. The city is definitely starting to get a tangible sense of lawlessness. But do you think about four years ago, at this very time, Quentin Lucas raising his hand then, number one issue was reducing Kansas City's crime rate. We're not going to have triple-digit murders anymore. Didn't yeah, happen. It did not happen. And in fact, I think Quentin, uh, Mayor Lucas, actually has um, pushed the process backward because of his alienation with the police department and the police commission. So we got a long ways to go. Lisa, what did you put down? I think violence, violent crime and homicides is clearly the top. And I and I looked at some of the responses to, to Mayor Lucas's tweet, and that was among the top responses, but also affordable housing. People's rents are, are too high. It's too expensive to buy a home. Uh, homelessness was something that people brought up quite a bit as well. Brian Ellison, right after the election, 
You said on this show that even with all of those fresh faces coming to City Hall, though, it was more like status quo. So are we going to see any new responses to any of these issues we've heard around the table? I think that's a great question. As, as Eric said, I think it depends on who you ask what's going to be most important. And I think the reality is that well, well, there's a lot of consensus about the broad range of priorities. There's not a lot of new innovation so far in the solutions to problems like crime, like affordable housing. And I might add to the list questions around uh, development. Um, what development is appropriate and where in town? Obviously, the, uh, the baseball stadium is a big part of that right now, but it could be a lot of other kinds of development as well. We heard you mention, um, Kevin, about the police issue, but are we going to be going down even further down that road in this new term? I, I, over the weekend, we had a city panel doing a studying incarceration. It devolved into an anti-jail rally in which it was proposed, actually, the city take money it would spend on detaining inmates and placing it into alternative programs. I demand that you shut down the jail development in Kansas City. People say that we're, our city's growing, we need a jail. Our city's growing, we need housing. Our city's growing, we need access to mental health. We can't let everybody keep coming down and robbing and pillaging our neighborhood and putting us out of business. You know, we remember that whole painful debate over police funding that Kevin already referenced, but is this the next debate over whether we actually even spend money on locking people up at all, Eric? Well, I was on, on that commission and you had the de-incarcerate group, and they don't want to have to put more money or build more prisons. They want to use alternatives. And in other cities, the alternatives may have worked. But the culture in Kansas City is different, so we want to know where that works and what are we going to, what people are we going to do to put in those programs? Because when somebody gets in a police car, if they're high off of drugs, you don't want to take them to jail to to they detox or what do you want to do take them down the street and release them domestic violence the same way so it was kind of interesting that nobody had a concept of how many bed spaces that we need because our commission report was we didn't have enough information to determine how many more or how many less beds that we needed you know, Mayor Lucas said this was going to be the most progressive council when they come in and take their seats next week in the history of Kansas City. Um, so are we going to see them, uh, him being pushed in these areas, including on saying, well, perhaps we want to back out of any agreement with Jackson County on a jail. Perhaps we'd want to spend less on detaining inmates, even, even though we have a crime problem in Kansas City. I, I, think you, I think you are seeing more progressive voices on the city council. I do not, however, think that this is going to cause the city to back away from investing in, in their portion of the Jackson County jail. I do think that these conversations will continue happening as they should. The solution to, to a, a new jail is not just build more beds. You also have to figure out how to keep people out of jail and give them the resources they need. We already know that reports say the Jackson County Jail, the new one that they're proposing, doesn't have as many beds as they're recommending. So this has to be a conversation to keep people out of jail, but I don't think we're going to back away from the Jackson County Jail. A lot of people might yawn and change channels thinking that they hearing all about the nitty-gritty details of City Hall that might not be of great interest to people, particularly as, you know, 83% or, or more, 87% of the population didn't even bother to vote in these last elections. When it comes to next week, what is the biggest change we and our families will see as a result of this council and mayor coming in for the second term? 
Well, I, I, I don't know yet. We're meeting some new faces. We're meeting some new uh, first-time elected officials. And what I think we're going to, to find out is whether the things we talked about in the campaign, which, as all of us have said, centered on crime and affordable housing, are going to be the, the main focus, or are we going to start getting into other nitty-gritty details? Is it going to be about fit, fixing potholes? Is it going to be about governance? Is it, are we going to get into uh, controversies around the city manager and other la top layers of, uh, of uh, appointed officials? Are we going to see a big change? I think the difference will be leadership and the side bets behind the scenes or whether or not uh, Mayor Lucas is going to complete a four-year term or is he going to take a White House appointment or is he going to run for another seat uh, to be in a federal government. But I think the biggest difference is going to be the leadership of Lee Barnes will be gone. Catherine Shields will be gone. Uh, Teresa, Laura, Heather, uh, and, and the other people on the council that provided leadership. So I think that'll be the issue that we'll see that's missing. While the anti-jail movement is underway and the KCPD reports more than 200 fewer officers since 2019, a growing number of businesses and entertainment venues around the city are taking matters into their own hands. The Crossroads Neighborhood Association, which puts on the popular First Fridays event, now wants to set up its own taxing district so it can pay for its own beefed-up security. It's almost four years to the day that a young Johnson County woman was shot and killed at First Fridays. Did they not feel they're getting the protection they want now from the Kansas City Police? department Kevin well that's one of several issues behind this CID is improving security down there and you hear that again all over the city I'm gonna be having a story out this week about how Midtown KC now had a survey recently and uh, two-thirds of the people living in Midtown are concerned that this, their area is not as safe now as it was a year ago we're having a real problem here and we, we fixate on up. homicides but it's things like oh, property crimes stolen crimes, cars break vandalism it's graffiti but I mean I, but so getting back to the crossroads so you know for years they've wanted to create a community improvement district but it was difficult because it was a very eclectic neighborhood a lot of artists a lot of folks who really weren't all that interested in some kind of a formal establishment now they've got a lot of people living down there who really want to see not only better security but better uh, cleaning better uh, trash uh, clearance uh, better getting rid of weeds and other and other things like that and as you mentioned they also you know the crossroads has been voluntarily running the association this first Friday thing with very little if any help from City Hall so they want to actually start putting a little bit more of a professional structure in how they're running first Fridays it's it's been kind of a wonderful thing for downtown but it's been a very organic thing without not a lot of help from the establishment I do think though Nick that the the, the reality is that when you start investing in uh, particular neighborhoods this way it's it can be a double-edged sword for and, and a great example is uh, is Westport when they began to invest uh, more fully in security, for example, on weekend nights. Yes, I think some people are grateful for a higher level of safety, although it has not been absolutely, uh, completely helpful in, in eliminating safety issues. It, it also changed the feel of the place. Going to Westport is a different thing than it used to be, passing through barricades, uh, not, not being able to move your car after certain hours. Unlike right. Westport, though, we're not talking about putting metal detectors no, up I, for a First Fridays I, event, I, are we, know, Kevin? With, with all due respect, Brian, they're not talking about the kinds of things they've done at Westport. They're talking about having one officer and one car on duty 12 hours during the day and on a call on weekends. We're not talking about building a fort crossroads here. I mean, these CIDs are being implemented because the city is failing to do the basic services it's supposed to do. These people are double taxing themselves to get the services they should expect anyway from the city, which is the sad part of all this. Now, for the 17th straight week in a row, Jackson County property assessments continue to dominate our headlines.
Uh, I can't stay for the entire update this morning, but it was a priority for me to be here, to even the short time when I'll be here, just to speak to you. All right, this was actually one of the rare times we've heard Jackson County leader Frank White say anything about this issue. If you're unhappy with how the county has valued your home, this is your last week to file an appeal. Monday is the deadline to challenge your appraisal notice. So far, more than 41,000 people have done so. That represents actually a whopping 12% of every house in the county. Now, without wanting to sound repetitive, because we seem to have talked about this every week for the last month, did the Jackson County Legislature, Lisa, ever come up with with a fix to keep people from being that angry and stopping them coming to the courthouse and physically removing office holders from from office. No, we've seen that we've seen them come up with ideas that are constantly batted down, saying that doesn't actually adhere to state law. So it's a really it's a real quandary for the legislature. I see in the state of Kansas they're looking to put a constitutional amendment because it's happening. All people have concerns. A constitutional amendment on the ballot next year that voters will decide that will cap the amount that property valuations can go up from one year to another. Is there any such effort on the Missouri side, Brian? There has been from time to time, but it, but but it, none of those have ever really gained traction because of the impact it has on the local taxing districts. When you you're not just talking about the impact on the taxpayer, you're talking about the impact on school districts, on libraries, and on of course on the municipalities themselves. I think the the reality is that what Gail McCann Beatty the Jackson County Assessor has done is is do her, herself or her future successors a favor. She has brought those numbers up to reality uh, for market values in a way that wasn't done for decades. Obviously people are upset, obviously people wish it were done more gradually, but the reality is that bringing it up to closer to reality not only is in compliance with state law as it now exists, it's going to reduce the pain uh, in future years. But, but you're not saying anything there, though, to reduce people's pain right now. There's no solution at hand? The solution might be for the taxing districts to decide to lower the taxes now that they have a higher tax base. But I, I don't expect that to happen. I, I think Brian hits it on the head. I mean, you know, even uh, the property tax, obviously your assessment is something that upsets you. But at the end of the day, it's what the mill levy is going to be, what you're going to actually pay in taxes. And there's a lot of flexibility there. Oh. Uh, by Monday when the cutoff date is. I hope they have a better system for somebody answering the phone when you call <laughs> because that's been an issue that I've been hearing about and I actually experienced it myself. And, and a lot of people don't have the time or the energy to go down to the uh, courthouse or the annex in order to do that. Even though they said they had more people working the phones in the office this week to try and process those appeals? Uh, okay, wrong. alrighty. <laughs> now, speaking of issues that never seem to go away, Kansas City Royals owner John Sherman offered up new details this week on the timeline for a new stadium in an open letter to fans. Sherman writes that detailed renderings and many other components about the project will be released in the next 30 days. So why is that news? Hasn't he already said he plans to reveal the new location of the new ballpark by the end of the summer, which, by the way, this year falls on September 23rd. For all the attention this got, did he actually reveal anything new? I did not see a great deal of new information in there. It was frustrating in that way. There's there's this big announcement and, and truly nothing nothing new. Renderings of the two sites that we already knew were the top two in, in contention. To me, it felt like a PR push. Hey, look at 
maybe maybe don't look at our current record right now look at our big plans for this for this new baseball stadium so for me there, there wasn't any news there it is a little frustrating I want to see more detail about how this will affect taxpayers um, but but we're just simply not there yet but but trickling out little bits of information without making a commitment could that be actually working though for John Sherman or is he just incensing people in Kansas City and making them more infuriated it's it's hard to say whether I am representative of, of the <laughs> Kansas City at large to me it's to me it's having a negative effect in the people that I talk to it's just how how much longer with a record as as dismal as as we have right now how can we truly get excited about a new ballpark you know I went to this press conference Sherman held out at uh, the Hall of uh, Fame at the ballpark at the end of June and he expressed frustration with unnamed people who don't share the team's urgency on getting a deal done and it turns out that one of those individuals happens to be a former Royals ball player, Frank White Jr. I've got a story out today that just quotes sources. Unfortunately, nobody wants to get in the way of a car uh, that basically say Frank, they, the county got a what they call a uh, terms sheet, term sheet from the Royals back in mid-June, and they've been sitting on it now for over six weeks without any response to the team, which in the meantime has signaled the folks in North Kansas City, hey, let's make a run for this thing because Jackson County and the Royals don't seem to be making much progress on a downtown site. So it's an interesting situation now where we're seeing some of the real political intrigues going on here. We also remember, of course, that the Royals did can Frank White, and there was a little bit of bad blood about that. We all know that there's no love between the two of them, but I, I agree with Lisa. I think they're going about this all wrong. You're wetting people's appetite for what's going to come, and you got this cliffhanger that's hanging around. Just make a decision. This is where we're going to do. This is where we're going to do it. Uh, but, saying but, but, that you're going to make $180 million. Come but on, Eric, COVID might I, I remember again. when they you first announced know. they wanted to do a single terminal. Everybody seemed to hate the idea. Absolutely. It was preposterous. Yeah. And then more than 70% of voters go to the polls and vote overwhelmingly yes. Isn't it going to be the same with this ballpark? No, I don't think so. I think with the, the stadium, well, the uh, airport project, you had reasons why you needed to do this. Having the lowest, third lowest attendance in the Major League Baseball, the record that they have, not being able to have money to get other players, that's not a good argument. I think there's going to be a very high correlation between the winning percentage of the Royals and the percentage that the vote gets well, when it comes to that. Let's remember, we're talking about a 30-40 year deal here. Just because they're having a crappy season this year, right. you don't make a judgment. And the other part of this is also going to be, it's going to be the Royals and the Chiefs on this ballot. Right. Both of them are tied at the hip. And the Chiefs, as we all know, are a lot more popular these days. And than having the said absolutely nothing about the stadium issue up until now, the Chiefs finally broke their silence this week. Team owner Clark Hunt says their preference is to stay put, teasing the possibility once again of a retracting roof that could help bring the Super Bowl to town. Certainly, one of the benefits of a dome stadium is that you're weather protected, uh, which does give you the ability uh, to, to host more events. Alrighty, Lisa, because you weren't as enthused about what John Sherman was saying in terms of news. Was this a bigger news development than what we heard from the Royals I, this I week? I think it's something we've been waiting to hear ever since we, we started hearing about a downtown baseball stadium. Now, the indication that they prefer to, to rehab Arrowhead Stadium and stay where they are, I think is a significant development, and, and particularly to a part of Kansas City that has seen a lot of disinvestment and risks losing a huge draw to that part of town if the Royals do move down. It 
It was also interesting to me because the royals had said earlier that they couldn't stay where they are because there was cancer in the cement. There was that structural issue that meant that they couldn't just easily repair it. Yet we're hearing from the chiefs that they looked at it structurally and they were in pretty good shape. Yeah, Mark Donovan gave a gave a gave a ringing endorsement of the the building quality at Arrowhead. I mean, look, Nick, it, football is a business too, just like baseball. And Mark Donovan was was very honest in saying, "Hey, the reason we want to talk about a, a retractable roof is so we can have more events there. It isn't about the football at all. It's about the money." How many more events do they want? They got Taylor Swift, Beyonce. I mean, yeah, but if they have a dome over it, they could have those kind of concerts every weekend. Now, whether they do a roof or not, I don't know. I don't know if you could physically add a roof to the existing stadium without spending an enormous amount of money. But they do want to tear down Kauffman, and they do want to build an entertainment district there. So they have kind of the same vision as the Royals of just leveraging the stadium, not only for the sporting events, but also to create a destination entertainment attraction. Now, you can argue how much entertainment does one metropolitan area need. Uh, I don't know about that, but, you know, but it's, it's interesting to see the team talking more about staying put, kind of putting the hot cold water on this Kansas idea, although that could get resurrected if they don't get money from the state. Well, speaking <laughs> of big developments, Governor Mike Parson was in town this week. In addition to visiting Arrowhead, he signed over $28 million in state cash to build a lid over the I-670 highway that divides downtown. The so-called South Loop Project would build a park over the top of the freeway like some other big cities have done. Now there's this much state money on the line. Is there no turning back? This is happening, Kevin? I would say at this point, they've got some great momentum there they've raised or had commits commitments to almost a hundred million dollars which is about half the price they think it's going to cost so this has gone from a dream of maybe 10 15 years ago to actually really getting some solid traction now whether they can get it done in time for the 2026 world cup i you know i'm a bit skeptical but uh they might be able to get a couple of blocks done. Could John Sherman still surprise us and say he's going to actually build the downtown ballpark there instead? Uh, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> okay, well, that's what we don't want to belabor these things, everyone. All right, last week, the Kansas and Missouri Attorney Generals were making national news as they sent letters to Fortune 100 companies warning them of the legal consequences of race-based hiring that after the Supreme Court declared affirmative action programs unconstitutional. Now Chris Kobach is expanding that legal warning to state government and contracts with minority business owners. If Kobach is successful, could it be just a small step, Brian, to the ending of race-based hiring in local governments, including how Kansas City may set figures, uh, percentage figures on minority contractors on building projects? Well, it could be, but if Chris Kobach is successful, that actually would be a big step. What the Supreme Court decided in that case was that affirmative action in college admissions was unconstitutional. The Supreme Court has not said that about hiring. Some suggest that the same set of justices might come to that conclusion a year or two from now in a different case, but that hasn't happened yet. I do think that this Supreme Court decision on college admissions is the opening Oh, yeah, battle absolutely. of what could end up throwing absolutely. out MBE, WBE requirements. I, I'm just waiting for the next legal case to start demolishing that whole uh, concept, and that is going to be a real issue uh, for a lot of uh, minority and women-owned businesses that have done well because the city, as we've talked about in the past, you know, generally has those uh, demands in return for providing tax incentives to get projects done. You know, the interesting thing about when you look at MBE, WBE numbers, the people that benefit the most from them are white women. Meta, for example, the project that we had here in the metropolitan area, they had 68% of their MBE contracts were white women. So is this 
or are they really doing research to find out who's benefiting from this or they are assuming it? When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? You don't need a meteorologist to tell you it's hot out there. Triple-digit temperatures forcing Kansas Cityans to get creative in order to stay cool. Early voting underway in Johnson and Wyandotte counties ahead of Tuesday's primary election. Who decides who's Native American? Three KU professors accused of faking their ancestry to advance their academic careers. More World Cup watch parties in the Power and Light District and guess who's number one in the TV ratings? We're looking at you, Kansas City. A local hospital demolished. The former Trinity Lutheran Hospital at 31st and Main has sat empty for more than 20 years. It'll become a new apartment complex. Breathe a sigh of relief. Leewood-based AMC now scrapping that plan to charge you more for the best movie theater seats. And if it feels like Kauffman Stadium is half empty this season, that's because it is. The Royals now rank third worst in Major League Baseball for attendance. Alrighty, Lisa, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? I, I think we can't ignore the, the heat, and I think that's probably the biggest story of this week and the biggest story of the next few years. The fact that nighttime temperatures aren't falling means that we don't have enough time for our bodies to really cool, especially if you don't have access to air conditioning. So the health effects of a heat wave like this, I just think can't be understated, and, and it affects everything. Eric. Raina Park saw as the mayor pro tem and a uh, committee chair and Melissa Robinson who won her district by 87 percent was not a chair of a committee and a lot of people okay. are thinking that I, I didn't add the, the mayor pro tem <laughs> deal to the mix because I was thinking what what difference does that really make to people and could anybody name who the last pro tem was and does it advance them to become the next mayor of Kansas City what it does do is it, it creates a situation in the black community where the mayor can write his own headline and say, hey, I appointed a black woman for this position. But on the other side, I've had some issues with some other black women. And a lot of people are thinking that it's a petty decision that he made because Melissa was so outspoken about the city manager and what happened with Andrea Dorch in the uh, mayor's office dealing with MBE, WBE participation. So it is a major issue. Kevin. Uh, you know, I have a different one in that I don't think enough coverage has been done to how our, our bus system's working in the city these days. Ever since we've started this free bus service, everybody cheered, but everything I've heard peripherally is the service is terrible, the drivers are putting up with all kinds of abuse, they've become what a lot of people were concerned, rolling homeless shelters, and I wish uh, we had more coverage about what's going on with our bus transit system. You're pushing me to add that to the agenda on a future show, Kevin and Brian. This will also be on the agenda of a future show, the ongoing saga of the Missouri petition initiative to put abortion rights mm -hmm. on the 2024 ballot. I think we have a lot more conversation over the ways that elected officials are, are using their office to take political positions rather than put issues before the voters in an unbiased way. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed, courtesy of KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez and Kevin Collison from City Scene KC, from Next Page KC, Eric Wesson, and Brian Ellison from KCUR News. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.